Hello, my friends. I want to take you through an investor's call for Pfizer. You may have heard of them, a tiny little company worth $200 billion, making a little bit of do-re-mi off the vaccines. It's quite fascinating to hear them talk about all the profit. Ka-ching! Uh, that's the sound of, of an injection. You hear ouch, they hear ka-ching, and they talk about, get this, you just might need a third booster, and who knows? Maybe a fourth. I'll read to you from their investor call. Uh, I don't think you'll find it surprising, but it is shocking. Before I do, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's a video version of this podcast. I think it adds a lot of value to see things, whether it's a video clip or to show you a document I'm, I'm quoting from. It's only eight bucks a month, which I don't think is a big price compared to all the other streaming services out there. And I really think our stuff is unique, don't you? Uh, I mean, you just don't get a conservative Canadian commentary, well, really anywhere on TV. Um, and even if you're fine with the podcast, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus for eight bucks a month because we need the dough. We don't get money from Trudeau, so we rely on viewers and listeners. And um, this is me saying, hey, if you like these podcasts, can you chip in even frankly? If you're not planning to watch it on video, just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month and uh, it makes all the difference in the world. Thanks for letting me ask. I have to do it. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, I know it's the worst of times for you, but look at the bright side. It's the best of times for a drug company called Pfizer. It's March 16th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. In the early days of the pandemic, Donald Trump compared the COVID-19 virus to an invasion. And the battle against it was a war. I think we now know that the real threat was not the virus, which thankfully has taken a much lower toll on people than feared. It's almost completely spared anyone under 50, really anyone under 70. And even for those that it targets, they are very, very ill to begin with. To die from the virus, the average age of death is 82. I say for the umpteenth time, I'm not happy that anyone is dying from the virus, but this is not the plague. It's about double the typical death toll of the annual flu season. The real damage has been done by the lockdowns, not just damage to our economy, but damage to our health. Remember, there's a correlation between poverty and unemployment and health, not just mental health and suicide and drug use like opioids, but other health problems that go undetected or untreated. And then there's the massive closing down of hospitals to keep them free for COVID patients that never came, delaying or canceling hundreds of thousands of medical exams and so-called elective surgeries. The irony is, in the United States, where you have 50 different states with 50 different approaches to the pandemic, there really isn't a difference in health outcomes for those states that are locked down and those that aren't. Florida has one of the oldest demographics in America. A lot of seniors go there to retire. And they didn't lock down, but they've had a lower death toll than California or New York, which did lock down hard. So you know all that. But my point was Donald Trump called this a war, which it sort of was, 
But the real enemy wasn't the virus. Viruses come and go all the time. The enemy was the lockdown. The government was the enemy. The mask police was the enemy. The surveillance state, the snitching, the informants, the fear, forcing children to wear masks, though they are practically immune to the virus to begin with, canceling kids' sports, canceling school, making kids sit inside at home and doing nothing but watch screens. That's the war, and the bad guys won. But if we're going to stick with the war analogy, then I want to talk about wartime profiteers. You know, those are, right? People who see there's a crisis afoot and they think they can make a buck or two. It's happened since the dawn of time. It's human nature, greed. It's one of the deadly sins. Let me quote to you from a magazine um, reporting on the U.S. Civil War. For sugar, the government got sand. For coffee, rye. For leather, something no better than brown paper. For sound horses and mules, spavined beasts and dying donkeys. And for serviceable muskets and pistols, the experimental failures of sanguine inventors or the refuse of shops and foreign armories. So wrote Harper's monthly journalist, Robert Tomes, in July 1864, over 150 years ago. Does that kind of profiteering sound familiar? The only difference is that in the Civil War, the government was spending $2 million a day. In our lockdown war, the government's spending closer to $2 billion a day. And so you get liberal MPs in on it, getting massive contracts, for example, to make ventilators or masks, things they've never made before, companies they just incorporated to get in on it, simply to skim the cream off the milk. I mean, look, Trudeau was corrupt at the best of times. Imagine how much money is sloshing around now in the worst of times. Profiteering, but think about the biggest profiteers of all. Guys like Bill Gates, I don't quite get his angle. Is he a philanthropist or an investor or both? Is he a servant of the people or someone who wants to be our master? Can we trust a guy who just kept hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein, the child rapist and trafficker, again and again? Even the New York Times thought it was creepy. You tell me, how do you feel about Bill Gates wanting to amp it up with vaccines, injecting children, pregnant women, the elderly, even people who are malnourished? How do you feel about him, one of the richest men in the world, demanding that governments indemnify vaccine companies, even if those vaccines, or especially if those vaccines, harm, say, 700,000 people? The efficacy of vaccines in older people is always a huge challenge. You know, it turns out the flu vaccine uh, isn't that effective in elderly people. Most of the benefit comes from younger people not uh, spreading it because they're vaccinated. And that, that benefits on a community basis, the elderly. Here, we clearly need a vaccine that works in the upper age range because they're uh, most at, at risk of that. And doing that so that you amp it up so it works in older people and yet you don't have side effects. You know, if we have, you know, one in 10,000 uh, side effects, that's, you know, way more, 700,000, uh, you know, people who will suffer from that. So really understanding the safety at gigantic scale across all age ranges, you know, pregnant, male, female, undernourished, uh, existing comorbidities, it's very, very hard. And that actual decision of, okay, let's go and give this vaccine to the entire world, uh, governments will have to be involved because there will be some risk and indemnification needed 
before that can uh, be decided on. Yeah, I'm not sure if I trust Bill Gates, Jeffrey Epstein's old buddy. He just seems to want to control everything, everyone, all the time. Uh, he just came out with a book demanding that we radically change our lives to fight global warming, but he's buying a private jet company. His plans seem insane sometimes, even if he does wear comfy-looking sweaters and come across as a friendly nerd. I don't know if you saw this story. Here he is talking about his plan to spray millions of tons of dust in the air to block out the sun. That sounds like a... a a, a plot from a 1960s James Bond movie, Dr. Evil. I'm thinking he's about as trustworthy as his buddy Jeffrey Epstein, aren't you? I just don't get that guy. Uh, he's not a virologist. He's not a climatologist. The only experience he's had with viruses are that his Microsoft programs were constantly getting hit with them. But I don't think that makes him an expert in the flu or blocking out the sun. I swear that's a Bond villain move. But look at this. This is real news now by real people at a little company called Pfizer. You heard of them? This is a transcript of an investor's call with folks who are betting big on Pfizer. They want to know how it's going. It's going amazing. For Pfizer, I mean, not for the little people. Uh, you're in lockdown. You can't go to work. You can't travel. You can't go outside without a mask. You can't turn on the media without being scolded or scared. But for Pfizer, this is the best of times. This is the golden age, man. I think Bill Gates' big dream is coming true, a little bit at least. And isn't that more important than your small dreams? I'm going to read a bit from this transcript, which was put on Twitter by Lee Fang, a journalist with The Intercept. But it really is an investor meeting with Pfizer. I'm going to show you just a couple of highlights. And guess what? You'll never, you'll never see this coming. Pfizer now says you don't just need one dose of their vaccine or even two doses. You need a third dose, a third booster. Who could have thought? Let me read. And so hopefully, one of the things you noticed is we announced recently that we will be evaluating a third dose of our vaccine, a booster, to understand the durability of immunity and the efficacy against these emerging variants of the virus. Hopefully, guys, hopefully you noticed that will now scare people into buying a, not one, not two, but three shots. And stay ready for this, a fourth one, I'm just guessing. These are investor relations bosses at Pfizer talking up their stock. You see, the lockdown, um, it's the worst thing to happen to your life. But they just can't stop using that word opportunity. Let me read. And factors like efficacy, booster ability, clinical utility will basically become very important. And we view that as, quite frankly, a significant opportunity for our vaccine from a demand perspective, from a pricing perspective, given the clinical profile of our vaccine. So clearly more to come here. Oh, really? But we think as this shifts from pandemic to endemic, we think there's an opportunity here for us, guys. A significant opportunity for our vaccine from a demand perspective. They really said that out loud in public. They really called the virus a significant opportunity. They keep saying that, actually. Here's another excerpt. So from my perspective, the punchline on that is we think that flu represents potentially significant opportunity for us. Hey, guys. I'm getting this feeling, and it's just a hunch, that maybe Pfizer has a vested interest in you staying scared or sick 
staying locked down. And once you're all given a jab, to be jabbed again and then again and then again and then again. I mean, you heard the man. It's a significant opportunity for them. This is what we call a moral hazard. As in, they just might have an interest in making things worse than they are because they're getting rich. Pfizer's a $200 billion company measured by market capitalization. That's U.S. dollars. What do you think it's worth to Pfizer to have this pandemic last for, I don't know, just one more year or maybe two years to turn every new variant into another crisis that needs another booster shot? You heard the man. It's an opportunity. Do you think it's worth $50 billion a year to them to keep this thing going? Maybe $100 billion? It's certainly in the billions. Do you think anyone would ever, oh, I don't know, lie for $100 billion? Look, people would lie for $100. What wouldn't they do for $100 billion? What wouldn't they say? Well, we saw the least they will say that this whole thing is a significant opportunity for them. They're pretty stoked about it, especially the pricing. Did you catch that part? Hey, do you really think you're getting out of this lockdown any moment now? Do you really think the decision is being made in your local town council? Do you think these profiteers or that creepy block out the sun guy will ever let you out? Stay with us for more. God, that is riveting. That is so exciting. I would say the most exciting story of 2021, but it should have been the most exciting story in 2020, except for, as you know, news coverage of Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, was blocked. It was blocked by Twitter. It was blocked by Facebook. It was blocked by all the tech companies that didn't want you to know the truth about Joe Biden's son. Not because it was lascivious, the media party has no problem with things that are obscene, drug or sex oriented, but rather that it was so politically devastating to their candidate of choice. Well, that cone of silence is being lifted. Even if it's being lifted after Joe Biden is in office, as you can see there, our friends Phelan and Ann McAleer are making their next blockbuster movie, an anti-Hollywood movie, it's called My Son Hunter, the Hunter Biden movie, and it's being done by crowdfunding at mysonhunter.com. Joining us now via Skype from sunny California are the McAleers. Hey, Phelan, how you doing? I'm doing good, Ezra. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great project, a great movie, great story. That is a very exciting promo trailer. That's just, I guess, what they would call in the business, a teaser trailer. Yeah. Hunter Biden checks all the boxes for interesting. Um, you know, he's he's sexually extreme, drug abuse, foreign lands, money, bribery. Uh, and of course, 
you know, the family politics, you would think he would have been the most written about, most published stories of 2020, but it was shut down because it was too interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the script writes itself, and, and this is a movie, not a documentary. This is, you know, but this is, this is, it's got exotic locations, it's got drama, it's got high political drama, it's got corruption, it's got strippers, it's got strip bars. Uh, you know, I, I call it Austin Powers meets King Lear with a bit of House of Cards thrown in. You know, it's, it's, it's got all those elements. Uh, this should have been the news story of last year. Uh, it should be the news story of this year. It's not. It should be, Hollywood should have been optioning scripts left, right and centre. But they didn't want to. And it's not like, it's not their usual uh, ignoring a good story. They, are, they actually suppressed this story. Twitter suppressed it. Facebook suppressed it. Twitter, Twitter banned the New York Post from posting about it. They banned everyone else from sharing the link to this story. This was, and all the other journalists attacked any journalist who wanted to cover this story. So this was an actual, genuinely bona fide suppressed story. And the reason is because it was so devin, devastating to the, to the Democratic family, to the Biden family, and to the, the crime family as well. Yeah, well, I recall the New York Post, one of the longest uh, published newspapers in America, they broke this huge story. They were suspended. Not for anything inaccurate, but because, I don't know, I mean, it was bald politics. So let me come back to something you said a minute ago. You said this is a movie, not a documentary. Yeah. Okay, now I know you've made outstanding documentaries before. I first saw your Mind Your Own Business and Frack Nation really opened my eyes to fracking. You've done the Gosnell movie, which is sort of a dramatization of a true crime story. Uh, when you say mysonhunter.com, is a movie, not a documentary. What do you mean by that? Well, it's just like Gosnell. It's a dramatization of a true crime story. Um, it's going to have actors. It's going to have script. It's going to have locations. It's not going to have any interviews or anything. It's going to be not. It's not a documentary. It's going. It's based on a true story. And boy, what a story! I mean, this is a guy who uh, joined the navy uh, late in life. Um, turned up for his first day at work and was found of more cocaine than the population of Colombia in his system. Uh, he was fired immediately. His his answer was that actually he'd been on his way there. He'd stopped at a bar and two South Africans had given him a, a cigarette laced with cocaine. This is a guy who got a stripper pregnant uh, and, and denied paternity until forced to by the courts to pay. Uh, this is a guy who had an affair with his uh, brother's widow. This is, you know, this is a guy who has been in and out of rehab. But, you know, th this is not to attack Hunter Biden's personal feelings or his addictions, by the way, which are tragic. This is to say an international oil and gas company searched the world for an executive and they found the guy who was thrown out of the Navy in the first day. They found the guy who was in and out of rehab. They found the guy who was who living this dissolute lifestyle had never had a proper job. Why and what strings did Joe Biden pull once Hunter was on the board? Why did Hunter Biden get a hundred thousand dollars from a for as a, as a spending perk from a Chinese businessman? Why did he? Why did his consultancy get three million dollars from the mayor of Moscow's wife? And who is the big guy? And in one of his emails, he talks about the big guy, and everyone says that's Joe Biden. Is that correct? So this these are the this is the story we're going to tell. This international man of mystery, 
but that maybe is not so mysterious. The answer might be quite prosaic, actually. You know, when you say Austin Powers plus House of Cards and King Lear, I'm just thinking of Austin Powers. You're right. He was so loose. He was so over the top. I mean, it was a comedy. I think Hunter, Hunter Biden's life is part tragedy, part comedy. But the reason it continues, the reason he gets a $1.3 billion investment or whatever from China is not because he's ridiculous. It's despite the fact that he's ridiculous because his dad is powerful. And so it's not just a tragic comedy. It's, he's, he's the portal. He's the ultimate honey trap. Um, it's how other forces in the world have pressure points on the new president of the United States. That's why it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's crazy like a car crash. It's riveting like a car crash. Yes. But the reason we should care is because that car crash is happening it really in the White House. Yeah, yeah, no, this, I mean, you have to ask, why would anyone hire Hunter Biden to such powerful positions? And the answer is because he's a Biden, because his father was the vice president and now his father is the president. And th those, those are the, the, those are, this is what we'll be exploring. And, you know, it is funny. It's, it's, it's kind of an absurdist comedy, but it's a serious, serious movie. And then this, you got the serious aspect at the end where it's kind of like a reverse all the president's men where the media, instead of you know, meeting, meeting deep throat in the garage behind the window on the fourth floor, uh, they, they, they're out stalking journalists, uh, encouraging big tech, encouraging billionaires to shut down legitimate news stories. Woodward and Bernstein, more like Keystone and, and I don't know, Stalin, uh, the new journalists. Now, um, you have set records in the past for crowdfunding your cinema because, of mm -hmm. course, Hollywood, as we know, is pretty much uniformly Democrat. There are a few uh, anomalies, I think, of Clint Eastwood and Mel Gibson, and I've pretty much gone through the whole list. There, there are some actors, Dean Cain, yeah. Kevin Sorbo, but the fact that you can name them shows just how few there are compared to the mass. And really, the industry that was once blacklisted by Senator McCarthy is now running the blacklist. They yeah. wouldn't let this movie be made, but luckily crowdfunding makes it possible. How much are you looking to crowdfund? We'll put your crowdfunding page up now. It's mysonhunter.com. How much dough do you need to raise and when do you need to raise it by to get this thing going? Well. For, for Gosnell, we raised 2.3 million in 45 days, uh, which was pretty amazing. So this time uh, we're going to, as time has moved on, things are a little bit more expensive. We're, we're going to look at to raise 2.5 million in 60 days. Um, uh, you know, so we're asking, I mean, your supporters have always been great, always really supported us. M much of our uh, support comes from Canada and comes from, comes from the rebel news uh, troops. And uh, we're asking them to, to, to stand up. You know, I mean, things are very expensive. It's, it's expensive to make a film now, unfortunately, because of all the COVID restrictions, uh, which has given nice work to some uh, underpaid, over, underworked and overpaid union hacks. But that's the way of the world we're in now. So we're going to film it in Serbia, uh, which will double as Ukraine. And also it's got a China town, so it'll double as China. And there's lots of pretty women. And all that, just a perfect movie for a, a perfect place for a Hunter Biden movie. So it's going to be, you know, our, our dollars will go a long way. 
but we do need people to help uh, and to, to turn up and really support the movie. I mean, we we just went live 12 hours ago, uh, and uh, we've already raised $250,000, just under $250,000. So, I mean, this is a real, this can happen, but yeah. people need to dig deep and, and, and help us out because the, the cover-up has to stop, and we have to do it at the grassroots level. You've got these woke corporate uh, entities now who are... Uh, who are trying to tell you that your opinion and that your stories are not worth telling. Uh, what you care about is not important. Uh, look at that shiny thing over there. Well, we need to say this is important and we're going to fight. Well, listen, I have been a personal admirer of yours for years. I think I've told you before, Phelan, that your success crowdfunding gave me the hope that we could build Rebel News through crowdfunding, and indeed we have. So in many ways, you're a role model for us. Obviously, we're going to support you. Uh, I'm personally going to go to mysonhunter.com and chip in 100 bucks. I know that's not a ton, but you know, if enough people chip in 100 bucks, we'll get her done. Yes. I think Canadians are interested in the United States. Um, the whole world is interested in the United States, and I think we're interested in supporting conservative movie makers. Let me ask yeah. you, you've had some great success before, and that's what I like about you. You've got a proven track record. This isn't a lark. You do this professionally. You're very productive. You're very creative. It's great filmmaking. Um, are you at liberty to discuss some of the casting some of the stars or is that still a work in progress you well, haven't inked the deals uh, your, your our audience will like this so we have been talking and i can say this because he he is actually we kept it confidential but he is actually mentioned to the daily telegraph we have been talking the actor lawrence fox who, oh uh, i know lawrence fox he's great yeah he, he was in lewis uh he was in uh the tbc's lewis he was in he played lord palmerston in victoria uh, the Netflix series. He's been in, you know, he's been on the telly a lot. Um, he sort and, of looks uh, like Hunter and, Biden. In a little, he looks a little bit like Hunter Biden. Yes, yes, that's right. Well, I mean, he's perfect for this. Now, it's complicated by the fact that he's now running for the mayor of London. Hmm. Uh, so he intends to get elected mayor, and I think he'd be a great mayor of London. But uh, I'd, uh, part of me uh, wants him not to be elected mayor so that he can. Uh, have the time to play Hunter Biden in our movie. I know he's very, very keen. And uh, I won't go into the names, but we just showed his reel to a big Hollywood actor who were looking to get to play Joe Biden. And the Hollywood actor just said, he is the man, he is real. And uh, so we've got some big names interested. Uh, we just have to seal the deal. But I mean, you, you approach their agents and they say, have you the money in the bank? And that's a fair enough question. Yeah. You know, they probably get a lot of time wasters. So we need the money in the bank. Uh, we are, we're working on the script. It's 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 weirdly funny. Uh, it's uh, you know, I, I'm just looking actually here at the website. We need 2.25 million. Uh, so you know, we, we've raised two two hundred and seventy five thousand uh, now in the first day. So like you know, there's a momentum, and we need to keep it going. And I need to phone Lawrence Fox and say, Lawrence. I mean, he's a great actor. He's yeah. a great actor. No, I'm, uh, I'm familiar with him. I've, I've had the pleasure of chatting with him once as well. He's, uh, he really thinks about these issues, and he does have, he's a great actor. He, he, he is a showbiz guy. Well, listen, yeah. Fellum, when you, uh, I'm going to, we're going to put this interview on YouTube. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to share it with our people. 
We're going to encourage people to go to mysonhunter.com. I'm personally going to chip in $100. I know that's not lifting a heavy load, but, you know, many hands make light work. Uh, as one. you hit your milestones, maybe you can come back on, like maybe when you get to your first million or something, you yep. can come back on. If you have any news about the cast, that'll probably be pretty exciting for our people to yes. hear. We're going to help you get across the finish line. I know Americans will really dig deep. They're very charitable that way. But this isn't even charity. This is real entertainment. That yeah. promo trailer that we played at the top of this interview, that is a very sexy trailer. That's very exciting. Well, thank you. We just we cobbled that together ourselves. I mean, but we felt, you know, by the way, it's sexy. It's brilliant because the story is brilliant. Yeah. Right. There's so much going on in this story. So, but thank you very much, uh, Ezra for your very generous contribution. You've always come up to the plate and supported us, and we really are grateful, and so have your supporters. So uh, if anybody's in the Serbia during the summer, don't we will be there filming, call over and see us. Um, and uh, we, we're, this is gonna be a great movie. I, I am very excited. Congratulations to you and your team. You're, you're, you're a small team, but you pack a wallop. Great filmmaking, mysonhunter.com. Good luck, my friend. I can hardly wait till it's ready. Thanks, Ezra. All the best. All Bye. right, you too. Well, there you have it. Phelan McAleer, outstanding filmmaker. It's great viewing. And, and by the way, if I'm sounding like it's an eat your spinach, you have to watch this. That's not how I want to come across. This is a rocking story. Like, it, it's, it's an absurd story. The life of Hunter Biden and you know, just for sheer entertainment value, let's see it. And then it becomes tragedy when you realize all the things he touches. So uh, I'm going to chip in. I hope you do too. Stay with us. More ahead on Rebel News. <laughs> on my show last night, Gilly writes, the incompetence illustrated in that report is terrifying as it may reflect the larger picture in the world's most influential military. The targeting of conservative journalists even more terrifying. Yeah, you know, I don't know why they were picking on Rebel News. We're not American. We have American viewers, but we're mainly Canadian. I mean, you watch us every day. You know what we talk about. Um, we've, we've never been in serious trouble of any sort. We're just journalists. Why would the Navy come after us? And it, it's, you know, we're just, we're just us. Imagine you're trying to take on the Chinese military. If you get us so wrong, how could that military intelligence be of any use when you're actually going up against a tough enemy like China? Rob writes, freedom, fighting for freedom is no picnic. They are bringing out the big guns now, the U.S. military intelligence. I, yes, I know they are. And yes, I'm quite concerned. Don't let my chuckling fool you. But I just, I just have to say, because I can't not notice it, there's a lot of scamming going on here. I mean, that little military contractor down there in Little Rock, Arkansas, the things they are saying for cash, I'm embarrassed for them that they're getting away with it. I mean, how much are they paid to write such false things? You don't even know where our office is. That's pretty easy to find out. It's at the bottom of every single one of our web pages. Darren writes, if this is the case, it is a huge deal, and everyone should know about the details and not kept behind pay for access. Darren, I hear you. And tomorrow we're putting it on YouTube. I just wanted to give it to you, our paid subscribers. First, you guys pay eight bucks a month. That might not sound like a lot to you, but 
you add it all up, everybody, and that helps pay the bills here. So, you know, that's that tension. We've talked about this before. About once a month, I like to put a whole show out on YouTube. I don't want to do it more often than that because I want the paywall to be valuable. But like you, I want to tell the whole world this. So let me say on this instance, in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to re-record it because we were sort of rushed to get the whole thing together. I'm going to tweak some of the visuals. And um, so we're going, to, we're going to release a slightly improved version, if I may say so. Uh, and I expect that to come out tomorrow. But thank you for your support. And I agree with you. This is a story that the whole world has to see. Well, folks, thanks for your friendly notes. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.